We have learned in this parak that there were 13 boxes in the Beis HaMikdash into which one could donate money for different purposes and different uses in the Beis HaMikdash. The focus of the first half of this Mishnah is if somebody declares and he makes a vow to donate something to the Beis HaMikdash, but he doesn't specify how much he's going to donate. So what is the minimum amount which he needs to donate to one of these boxes in the Beis HaMikdash? Shoyimewan who says, I'm accepting upon myself to donate wood to the Beis HaMikdash. One of the 13 boxes in the Beis HaMikdash was especially for the wood of the Mizbeach. So if somebody donate, wanted to donate money for the wood of the Mizbeach, or he wanted to donate the wood itself, he cannot give less than two pieces of wood. The reason being that Eitzim in Hebrew is in the plural. So it implies at least two pieces of wood, and the pieces of wood which were used for the Mizbeach were all pretty much the same size, and so he would need to give at least two of those, Levina. If he vowed to give frankincense to the Beisamik Mekomets, he cannot give less than one handful. Zahav, if he declared that he was going to give a gold coin, then Zahav, he cannot give less than a gold dinar coin, which is the smallest type of gold coin. Now, the previous Mishnah taught that six out of the 13 boxes were designated for Nadova, which refers to voluntary carbonized oila. And the truth is, only one of these boxes was for people to donate money for carbonized oila. But the other five were used for something else. And that is that any money which was designated to be bought as a carbon chatas or a carbon osham, which a carbon is bought for certain sins, if there's any leftover money from that, or if for whatever reason there's an animal which was de- designated as a carbon chatas, but for whatever reason it can't be bought as carbon chatas, so ultimately it will be sold, and money which is considered carbon chatas money, or carbon osho money, that is used to buy another animal, and that animal is bought as a carbon oiler. So the Mishnah quotes a part of the previous Mishnah, Shishon and Nadava. The Mishnah said that six of the boxes were for Nadava, for the carbon oiler, what would they do with the money which was put in one of these boxes of Nadova? Answers the Mishnah, they would buy carbonous oil with that money, and just like every carbon oil, the meat would go to Hashem, meaning the meat was totally burnt on the Mizbeach, whereas the skins, the hides of these animals would go to the Kayanim, just like with every carbon oil. Now, how do we know that the leftover money for a carbon chatas or carbon osham is bought as a carbon oila? Zemidrish Darsh Yehoyodakoin Godol. Yehoyodakoin Godol learnt this out of the following pasuk, which says that osham hu, it is an osham, a sin offering, and that implies that we're talking about a regular carbon osham, and the haloch is that the meat of a carbon osham is eaten by the koanim. But then the pasuk continues, Oshem Oshem Lashem, it is considered to be a sin offering for Hashem which implies that it is not eaten by the Karnim, rather it's totally burnt on the Mizbeach. So what is the explanation of this Pasuk? Zehaklal, this is the rule, Kol Ashma. Any carbon which is brought, or any money which is designated to be a carbon chatos or a carbon osham, if for whatever reason that can't actually reach its purpose of a carbon chatos or carbon osham, then that carbon which was designated originally to be a carbon osham, and so it would have been eaten by the Karnim, Yilokach by Oilois, Karbonis Oilo should be bought with that money, and Habosol Hashem, the meat goes to Hashem, it's totally burnt on the Mizbeach, and that is the explanation of the second part of the Pasuk. And the animal skins, the animal hides, go to the Karnim, just like every carbon Oilo. And now the mission brings another Pasuk for this idea, the Omer and the Pasuk also says, Kesef Oshom, the Kesef Chatois, Karbon Oshom or Karbon Chatos money, 
which for whatever reason is not going to be used as a carbon chatos carbon asham. The Yuval Beis Hashem, it cannot be bought to the house of Hashem. That refers to the Bedek Habayis, which is the part of Hektish, the part of money which is designated to the Beis Hamikdash, which is used for the general running of the Beis Hamikdash and its services. So the Pesach is saying it shouldn't be used for the Bedek Habayis, rather the Kohanim it should be for the Kohanim. So clearly the Torah is not saying that it should be bought as a carbon chatos or carbon asham, because the whole point of the Pesach is to tell you that the money which was a carbon chatos or carbon asham will now be used for something else. It will go to the Kohanim. As well as that, it's not going to be referring to another carbon like a carbon shalomim, because the meat of a carbon shalomim is also eaten by the owners. Rather, it is referring to a carbon oilah, because other than the part which is burnt on the Mizbeach and goes to Hashem, the rest of it goes totally to the Kohanim. So that's what the Pesach means, like Kohanim Yeyu, it will go to the Kohanim, then this money will be used to buy carbon oilah, which will be burnt on the Mizbeach, and the skins will go to the Kohanim. The first half of the seventh parak discusses things which are found in different places and what status we need to assume that that item has. Money which is found between the box which is designated for Shkolem and a box which is designated for Nadova for the Korbanos Eila. So you've got two of these boxes which are in the base of Mikdash and in between two of the boxes there's some money lying there. So where do we assume that money came from? Or where do we assume that money was designated for? Korbanos Shkolem if the money was near the box of the Shkalim, then you put a Shkalim. They fall to that box, and they should be put in that box and be considered part of the Shkalim. Landova, if it's near the box of the Nadova, of the Korbanos Eila, then you put Nadova, it should fall to that box. Now we see over here that we are following the principle of Korov, that we assume something came from the nearest place. Now although this might seem obvious, it's really not so obvious, because there's another principle which is Rov, that we follow the majority. And at least according to the simple reading of this Mishnah, even if, let's say, there are many more coins in the Shkolim box than in the Nadova box, if the coin is slightly nearer to the Nadova box, then we still assume it came from the Nadova box. Meaning that the principle of Korov is stronger and takes priority over the principle of Rov. That's at least the simple way of understanding this Mishnah. The truth is, it is a machlokes. it's a debate which principle takes precedence. And according to the opinion that a roiv is a stronger principle, they would explain this Mishnah as a case where the amount of money which was in the Shkolim box and the amount of money which was in the Nadov box was exactly the same. So the principle of roiv couldn't be used, and so we have to use the principle of koroiv, that whichever box is nearer to that money, we assume the money came from there. If it's exactly halfway between the two boxes, then we are stringent and yiplun and the money falls to the Nadova box, that's considered a stringency because Korbanos Eila are totally burnt on the Mizbeach. The owners of the Karnim don't actually eat any of the meat, rather all of the meat is burnt on the Mizbeach, whereas Shkolem is used for other things. Other less holy Korbanos where the meat is sometimes eaten, it's also used for some of the city's needs, and so if it's halfway we go stringently, and it is considered part of the Nadova box. Next example, when Eitzim Lenevoina, if money is found between the box for the wood of the Mizbeach and the box for the frankincense, which is offered on the Mizbeach, Korvel Eitzim, if the money is nearer to the Eitzim box, then Yiplul Eitzim, it falls to that box for the wood, Lenevoina. If it's nearer to the frankincense box, then Yiplul Lenevoina, then it falls to there. Merzalemerza, if it's halfway, then we go stringently, Yiplul Lenevoina, it falls to the frankincense box, and that is considered a stringency, because the Lenevoina itself is a carbon. That itself is offered on the Mizbeach, whereas the wood is only something which is used for other carbonos. Alright, next example, being Kinnon goes to Eila. If money is found between the Kinnon box, the older doves, and the goes to the Eila box, which refers to the younger doves, Korvla Kinnon, if it's nearer to the Kinnon box, Yipla Kinnon, then it goes to that box. 
there goes the Eula. If it's nearer to the Gozli Eula box, and Yipra goes the Eula, it falls to there, and it's considered part of that. Mechsel if it's halfway between the Kinin box and the Gozli Eula box, says the Mishnah Yipra Gozli Eula, that money falls and is considered part of the Gozli Eula box, the younger doves, and this is following the opinion which we had in the previous Perek, that the money which goes into the Kinin box can be used also for compulsory bird offerings, and compulsory bird offerings are not all carbonase oila. If one is obligated to bring in a bird offering, so he needs to bring one as a carbon oila and one as a carbon chatos. Now, carbon chatos is not totally burnt on the Mizbeach, and therefore that's considered to be a leniency, and that is when it comes to the kinin. Whereas the Geyser Eula, the younger ones, are totally bought as Karmanis Eula voluntarily. But since they are bought as Karman Eula, that's considered a stringency, and therefore Yipul Geyser Eula, they fall to the Geyser Eula box, and will be totally used for Karmanis Eula. Now the Mishnah brings a regular case, not necessarily to do with the boxes in the Beis Hamikdash, but in a case where you have a pile of Chulin money. Chulin refers to unsanctified produce, which anybody could eat, or unsanctified money, the Maisasheni, and he's got a pile of Maisasheni, which refers to a tenth of one's produce, which he has to separate and bring up and eat in Yerushalayim. So if he has either produce of Chulin and Maisasheni, or money, which is Chulin money, or Maisasheni money, and in between these two piles, he finds other money. So once again, we follow the principle of Korov. Korov la Chulin, if it's nearer to the Chulin pile, Yipu la Chulin, it falls to the Chulin pile, the Maisasheni. If it's nearer to the Maisasheni pile, Yipu la Maisasheni, it falls to the Maisasheni, Mechzer Mechzer. If it is halfway between the two, then of course, Yipu la Maisasheni, it will fall to the Maisasheni pile, because that is considered a stringency, since it has to be eaten in Yerushalayim. And there are also other stringencies which apply to Maisasheni, such as having to eat it in a state of purity, be as it may, the Mishnah ends off with the rule, Zahaklol, this is the rule, we follow the principle of Korov Lahokel, even if it will result in a leniency. However, if it's exactly halfway between two things, then Lahachmer, we go stringently and it is considered part of the pile, part of the box which contains the money, which has more stringent laws. Money which is found in front of animal merchants. Let's say you're in the marketplace and you see there's some money on the floor where there are animal merchants, they are always considered to be Maisasheni money. We're referring to animal merchants which are in Yerushalayim. And Maisasheni money has to be spent on food in Yerushalayim to eat it. And one of the most common uses of the Maisasheni money was to buy carbonis with it which they would bring in the Beisamikdash and then eat it. Now, considering the Maisasheni was a tenth of one's produce, it was now redeemed onto money, but it was a tenth of the value of his total produce, that could come to a very large amount. And most people, if they didn't live in Yerushalayim, they would come to Yerushalayim for the Sholosh Rugolim. So they would spend, let's say, a week, maximum two weeks in Yerushalayim, and then they would return home, and they would only have that week, week and a half, two weeks, to spend that Maisasheni money. But often they wouldn't be able to spend all of it, so they would leave it with people who live in Yerushalayim, either relatives or friends, for them to spend that money on meat and on different food in Yerushalayim. Now, since the most common use of the Maisasheni money was for buying carbonos, so if money is found by animal merchants, even not during a Yom Tov, even during the rest of the year, in Yerushalayim, most of the animals which were bought were bought with Maisasheni money. And therefore, we follow the principle of Rove, and so any money which is found near animal merchants is assumed to be Maisasheni money. Now, the truth is, it's not so simple, because once Maisasheni money is spent, let's say he buys an animal with the Maisasheni money, so now the animal gains the status of a Maisasheni animal, whereas the money becomes Chulin, it becomes unsanctified. So if money is found by an animal merchant, who said that that money was lost or it fell from somebody before it was spent? 
maybe the money was spent on the animal already, and then the person selling the animal, he lost the money over there. So for this, we have to come to another rave, another majority, and that is that there are more buyers than sellers. And so we assume that it dropped from the majority, meaning the buyers, before it was spent on the animal, and therefore it is assumed to be my Sashani money. The Harabayas, if money is found on Harabayas, when the Beit HaMikdosh stands, Chulin, it is considered to be Chulin, it hasn't got sanctity. The reason being that in general, the majority of money is of course Chulin money. So certainly during the rest of the year, this is true. But even around the Yom Tov days, when everybody brings up their Maishani money to Yerushalayim, even then this money is considered to be Chulin, because there's no more reason to assume that the money dropped there very recently on Yom Tov. It could have been dropped two weeks ago, when most of the money was Chulin. And so that money is assumed to be Chulin, Yerushalayim. If the money is found anywhere else in Yerushalayim, not on Harabayis, and not in front of animal merchants. So now it depends. Bishasa Regel, around the time of Yom Tov, Yom Tov itself, and perhaps the few days leading up to Yom Tov, Maiser, that money is assumed to be Maiser Shani money. Because at this time, everybody brings up their Maiser Shani money. And that is the majority of the money. Now in this case, it's not like Harabayis. In this case, we do assume that the money was lost very recently. The reason being that they would sweep the streets of Yerushalayim. So it can't really be, it's very unlikely that the money was dropped there a while ago, because it would have been sweeped away already, and therefore it is assumed to have dropped very recently, and so the majority of the current day is followed, and that is that the majority of money is Maishashani money. However, over Shaklim and during the rest of the year, Chulin, that money is certainly presumed to be Chulin money, without any sanctity. Mishnah Gimel, the halachas for each different type of korban differ, and one of the laws which vary between different carbonos is the latest time to have eaten that carbon. There are certain carbonos which have to be eaten by the end of that night that it's brought, meaning if it's brought in the day, it has to be eaten by the end of that night. And there are some carbonos which you have until the end of the following day, so until sunset the next day, to eat the carbonos. Another one of the laws which differ between different carbonos is the location in which it needs to be eaten. Certain carbonos of high sanctity have to be eaten within the base of Mikdosh itself, whereas other korbanos can be eaten within the entire Yerushalayim. So the Mishnah tells us that if meat is found in the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash, so you already know and can assume that it's carbon meat, because meat which wasn't carbon meat was forbidden to be brought into the Beit HaMikdash or into the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash. The question is, what type of carbon is it? So Avarin, if you find that the meat is split into limbs, so it's not a full animal, but on the other hand, it's not just small pieces and small slices. It's whole limbs, so oilos, they are considered to be carbonase oila, since the carbon oila was brought on the Mizbeach as full limbs. It was first cut, it was split into full limbs, and limb by limb it was brought and burnt onto the Mizbeach. Vachatichos, but if it's cut into smaller pieces, so it's not full limbs, so then chatois, it's assumed to be a carbon chatos, because you can see they were cut in order to be eaten. Alright, Birushalayim, if there was meat which was found outside of the Beis HaMikdosh, but within Yerushalayim, Zivchei Shalomim, it's assumed to be a Korban Shalomim, because most of the meat which was eaten in Yerushalayim was a Korban Shalomim. Korban Shalomim could be eaten even outside of the Beis HaMikdosh. Now, whatever happens, any of this meat which you find and has been lost, you're not allowed to eat it. And even if, let's say, you would know that it was definitely not past its time limit for eating, let's say, however you know, for whatever reason, you know that it was slaughtered that day. Nevertheless, you still can't eat it, because that is the halacha when it comes to carbonos, that if it has been lost and not looked after, then it's forbidden to eat it. Rather, it needs to be burned. The question is, when should you burn it? So you have to be concerned that it was slaughtered that day, and then depending on the carbon, you'll burn it either the next day, if, for example, it's a type of carbon which has to be eaten by the end of that night, 
or if it's a type of carbon, such as the carbon shalomim, which can be eaten even the next day, so you'd have to wait until not the next day, but the day after that, in order to burn that meat. Because that is the halacha, that meat which has been left for past its time limit, it's considered to be nosar, and it has to be burnt. So the Mishnah says, zevazeh, this and this, whichever type of carbon you consider it to be, to ubar tsurasai, its form should be left, you should wait for it to become definite nosar, and then it will go out to where it is burnt, as with every type of nosar. Alright, and now what happens if Nimsabagavulin, if there was meat which was found in the boundaries, literally, that means outside of Yerushalayim, so Evarin, if it is full limbs, then Nevelais, one has to be concerned that it's considered to be a Nevela, which is an animal which wasn't slaughtered properly, and so it's forbidden to eat, and for that reason it's not cut into pieces. It's in large limbs, it's assumed that it's such because it's going to be fed to the dogs, and that's why it's not cut into pieces for humans to eat and therefore it will be forbidden to eat it. However, if it is cut into pieces, so you can see that it's designated for humans to eat, then it is permitted to eat that meat, and it's very important to note that this only applies to a city which is full of Jews. If there are any non-Jews in the city, then it's forbidden to eat that meat because there's a chance that it came from a non-Jew, so it's all very nice that it's designated for humans to eat, but it could be that it was a novella designated for a non-Jew to eat, and therefore it is forbidden to eat that. Around the time of Yom Tov, where there's lots of meat, people are eating lots of meat, we're still referring to outside Yerushalayim, those who couldn't quite make it to the Beis HaMikdosh for Yom Tov. Afivar even full limbs which haven't been sliced are considered permitted, because since there was so much meat, they would often cut the meat as full limbs before actually cutting it into pieces. So as long as that city is full of Jews, that can still be considered a permitted meat, and not a nevela, which again is an animal which was which died without being slaughtered and is therefore forbidden to be eaten.